So I, I, a couple weeks ago, was tasked with the responsibility in one of my classes. I'm still in college. Uh, I'm 26 years old, and I'm still going through it, y'all. But I'm going to get there. In Jesus' name, I'm going to get there. I'm going to graduate. And I'm getting my bachelor's degree in Christian ministry. And so one of these classes gave me the task of taking an inventory of, like, the things that I take pleasure in or the things that kind of, like, please me, the things that I can say, okay, this thing pleases me. And so as I was doing this, I was like, okay, this is really interesting stuff that I'm figuring out. So, like, one of them, and by the way, this was not a very serious assignment. It was just something to, like, get to know each other. It was like a discussion board type thing that we had to do. So you may laugh at some of the things that I take pleasure in. So one of you guys may relate to me on the first thing that I take pleasure in. The first thing that I take pleasure in is, is food, um, like, and specifically fried chicken with a bunch of gravy. And so, like, I, if you don't know me, I could eat fried chicken every single day of my life and be the happiest camper in the world. And by fried chicken, I mean golden chick and not Cane's because Cane's is overrated. Uh, for anybody who in here may think differently, you're wrong. Uh, but uh, I like fried chicken. I would, I would take a bucket of fried chicken and a bucket of gravy because I, I submerge my, my chicken in the gravy. And so I take pleasure in, in fried chicken. Another thing that I take pleasure in that I wrote down was, was running. And some of you guys may be like, you are a psychopath. Uh, you may be correct. <laughs> I, I love running. I love going outside and running. I don't like running on a treadmill or on a track because that gets boring really fast. Um, but I, I take pleasure in running out in the world. Another thing I take pleasure in is a hot shower. I don't know about you guys, uh, but there's nothing better than getting through your work day, going home, taking a shower, feeling refreshed, and then fi not finally, two things. I take pleasure in being at church, amen, amen, right? And taking a nap after Sunday morning church, which is a vital, uh, a vital experience to your Sundays. And so uh, being at church and then napping after church. And finally, I wrote this one down because it's one that I really used to enjoy in my past. Um, and something that I'm pleased with or I take pleasure in, or I used to anyways, was annoying my sisters. And so um, if you have a son in the room who has a sister, then you know that it is the duty of the son to perpetually annoy and pester, uh, pester the sister. And so for me, I took pleasure in annoying my sisters. And the reason why is because... That was my way of showing them love, you know? Like, that was my way of saying, I love you, sister. And so if I didn't do this on a near daily basis, then I wasn't filling my great commission as a brother to myself. And so I, was, I had to fulfill that every day of my life. And so those are just a couple of things that I take pleasure in. I take pleasure in sports and a bunch of other things. I won't go through the comprehensive list. But for some of you, you may take pleasure in something like golf. Brother Jimmy's not here, but I know he's out there swinging that golf club very often. Uh, and so he enjoys golf. Or maybe for you, some of you, it's spending time with your kids that you take pleasure in. Or on the other hand of that, maybe you take pleasure in being away from your kids every once in a while and just being with the missus or the mister on a date. Or maybe you take pleasure in reading. We all have pleasures. We all have things that we enjoy. And here's what I, I want to get at tonight. I think that we can all get very wrapped up in doing the things that please us, in finding things that we enjoy, in finding things that entertain us, and finding things that pleasure us. And, and yes, it's good to have those things. It is absolutely not a bad thing to have those things. But as I was reading my Bible this week, I kind of had this thought that was inspired by some scripture. Now, you may be thinking this is going like in, in a way of like loving one another, happy Valentine's Day type of thing. By the way, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, tell your wife or 
husband that if you haven't yet. <laughs> uh, but this is not the direction that I'm going to be going tonight. Instead, we're going to be looking at a, a different relationship that we have that we need to figure out what this person takes pleasure in. And this was inspired by what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6, six through 9. So this in verse 6, it says, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So in other words, what he's saying is this. While we're here in this body, we, we are away from the Lord. His presence is here, but we are not in the fullness of his presence. We will be one day. He goes on to say this in verse 7. He says, For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And verse 9, this is what I want us to catch. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. And so what inspired me in this is I do all this thing about what I find pleasure in and, and what, I, what pleases me in this assignment. And then all of a sudden I'm reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and it says, so we make it our goal to please him. And so this is what this question, this verse kind of sparked within me, and it's what pleases God? What, what, what does God take pleasure in? What, what is it, why does Paul say that we need to make it our goal to please him, and what does that look like in the life of a believer? And, you know, we get so wrapped up in trying to do the things that we enjoy and we think about and the things that we take pleasure in, but instead, as the people of God, we need to be asking ourselves, and seeking the question, the answer to the question of what pleases the heart of the Father? Like what, what pleases God? What pleases Him? What makes his, Him smile up in heaven when we do something? What makes Him be, be a God that is pleased with us, His creation? Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. He says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. There it is right there. Paul tells us quite plainly, he says, you need to find out what pleases God. You need to find out what makes the heart of the Father be pleased, what makes the heart of the Father take pleasure in what we are doing and what we as his people are doing. And so tonight, my question for us is this, what pleases the Lord? Because Paul tells us, he said, find out what pleases God. Well, then what pleases God? That's the answer that we're going to look for tonight. I think that we can all agree that as believers, this is a question that, that is important to answer. And I don't even think that it's just important to answer about God. If you think about the person that you love most in this life, I'm willing to bet that you, lo you love them, and because you love them, you take an interest in what their pleasures are. You take an interest in what pleases them and in what makes them happy. So if you're a husband, it probably is in your interest to, to help with the dishes every once in a while. I don't, I don't know. Maybe some of you wives, you know, y'all are doing all this stuff and you just want the husband to help out. And so you, you take interest in that and helping them do that. Or there's a million different examples that I can give, and I'm not going to go into them, but you take interest in the pleasures of the people that you love is what I'm trying to say. You find out what they take pleasure in and what they're interested in, and because you love them, you, you want to please them, and then you please them, and they're happy with you, and they, they take pleasure in the fact that you did that. And in the same way, if you love God, if you love the Lord, you will want to find out what pleases Him, just as Paul told us to. And like if, you, if you look at it and you say, I love God so much, and Paul says, find out what pleases Him, then it's our mission to go out and say, okay, what pleases God? What is, what is the thing that's going to make God happy with us. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to find out what pleases the Lord. And so 
we're going to find out where God pleases, what pleases the Lord in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and this is what it says. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Say, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, you may be thinking, just like me when I read this, you may be like, that's a little bit harsh. Like, that, that, like without faith, it's impossible. So if I don't do this one thing, God is not going to be pleased at all with me. Yeah, that, that's literally what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us here. And here's the reason why. Faith pleases God because it's the foundation for all of our belief. It is by grace through faith that we are saved. And so when we worship, yes, worship pleases God, but our worship is built on the foundation of faith. We worship because of the grace that we received and the faith that we have to believe that Jesus lived and died for us so that he could atone for our sins. And so because we put our faith in that, then everything else that we do because of that is built on the foundation of faith. The kindness and the love that you show to the people around you, God is pleased with that. But it doesn't happen if you don't have the faith to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and the commands that he gave you are to love one another as Christ loved us and so as Christ loved us. And so we are responsible for having faith because faith is the foundation of every good work that we are going to do. It's by grace through faith. That is our foundation. Faith pleases God. Now, that brings up the question, what in the world is faith? Earlier in the chapter, the writer of Hebrews goes on to define it for us because he just, he knows what we're going to be asking about this. And so in Hebrews 11.1, 1, he gives us the definition that says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's faith that we don't, we, we don't necessarily see it coming to fruition yet, but we're believing because God said so that it's going to happen. That's what faith is. What faith looked like for Abraham was, God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham is like, where's the son? And for years and years and years, there is no son. But by faith, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. And eventually what happened, because Abraham decided to have faith, God blessed him with a son named Isaac. And through Isaac, all the generations of the world have become what they are today. And so it is by faith that Abraham lived and he was blessed. Now, you could say, okay, well, if I, there's, a, there's obviously stupid examples that we could think of when it comes to faith. Like, if we were all to, if I were to say, all right, everybody, let's go up on the roof up here, and I believe that by faith, I'm going to, I'm going to jump off this building and I'm going to fly. If I were to do that, we all know I'm not going to fly, I'm going to die, because I'm going to, I'm going to splat on the ground. And so there are ridiculous examples of faith, and there are people who take faith way too far, but at the same time, there are things that we can have faith in and believe God for in our lives, and we're going to see God do a work in us if we have that faith. It's faith that pleases God. I remember a, a couple of years ago, really it was like eight or nine years ago, um, we were at Discovery Camp, which is youth camp, and I was a senior, and there were, uh, I was, there was the last day of, of camp, and it was in the morning, and me and two of my friends, their names were uh, Becca and JC, we decided that we were going to believe 
by faith that God was going to heal our eyes because we all, have ter- we all had terrible vision. And so we were like, well, okay, so what, what can we do to show that we have faith? And so we decided that we were going to throw away our contacts. At, you know, for, you know, we took out our contacts out of our eyes. We threw them away. I didn't have any glasses, so I didn't have like, a backup plan or nothing. I was just going to be blind as a bat uh, you know, if, if nothing happened that night. And so we, we took our contacts out. We had made up our mind that we're going to believe that we're going to be healed and our eyes are, are going to be made whole that night. Um, at something called periculture. And so we took out our contacts and we threw them away. And uh, we went into that night and we were believing by faith that God was going to move and God was going to heal our eyes. And I'm here to tell you today that I still wear contacts and I still wear glasses. Now, you may be saying, why, why do you say that, AJ? And I, I'm here to tell you that every single time that we have faith and we carry out an act of faith does not necessarily mean that, that, that God has that for us in that time. I mean, it didn't happen in my life, but I was still okay with the fact and willing to say, you know what, even though it didn't happen, God, I thank you that there are contacts and that there are eyeglasses that I get to wear, that I get to see some, see everything that goes on. And I was thankful for, to God in that moment. And so I didn't experience his healing power there, but then a couple of years ago, I get COVID and I get this weird thing with my foot. I had just started working at the church. It was hindering my workout. It was causing me extreme pain. I go to the doctor and they say, this is chronic. You're going to be dealing with this for the rest of your life. And in that moment, I was heartbroken and I thought, okay, the only thing that I can do is pray. And so we are standing right here as a staff after our staff prayer and I tell them what's going on and I just, we prayed for healing. We prayed for healing. And, and in that moment, I just felt a peace that, that God's got this. Whether he heals me or not, if he doesn't heal me, I've got the strength to go on. But if he does, that would be great. And over that week, God healed my foot. And so there's a, a time for everything. And when we have faith, God moves on the wavelength of our faith when the time is right for us. And so God, his thoughts are way higher than ours. I, I can't give all the answers as to why God moves sometimes and why he doesn't. But what I know is, is God knows what he's doing. And so we can trust that when we have faith and we act on our faith, God, is, God has the right thing in mind for us. So we please God through faith. Romans 10, 7 says that, 10, 17 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, if, if we want to please God, we got to have faith. And if we want to have a faith that's strong, we need to be hearing the word of God. And so if we want to please God more, we need to be getting more of the word down inside of us. And the more of the word that we get down inside of us, the more that we're going to please God because our, our faith is getting stronger and our faith is being strengthened by the word. And so it's the word of God that increases our faith. If we want to please God, we got to have faith. And if we want to have more faith, we got to Read the word of God. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. I'm going to talk about pleasing God through faith, and we get the faith by reading God's word. So how do we strengthen our faith? Number one, we read God's word. I've said it already, but this is it. For this point, what I want to do is I want to parallel our, our physical life to our, our, our spiritual lives. And so many of, in this, many of us in this room have made our, our physical health a, a top priority in our lives. You know, we, we, we want to be healthy, and we know that in order to be healthy and to get stronger, there are certain things that we need to do. So an example of this is, if you want to get healthy, you got to eat better. And this is a struggle bus for me because, I, like I said earlier, I like that fried chicken. I don't want to give up the fried chicken. And it's a double whammy because I also don't eat my vegetables. Um, and I sound like a sixth grade boy right now, I know. Um, but the truth is, is I, if I wanted to get healthier, if I wanted to become stronger physically, I'd need to lay off the fried chicken and I need to start eating more vegetables. In other words, I need to start eating better. Another thing that you'd have to do is you'd have to start working out. 
if you wanted to maintain physical health and if you wanted to get stronger. And additionally, you need to get sufficient sleep, you need to drink water. There are things that you have to do in order to remain strong physically and get stronger physically. Now, the truth for us in our spiritual life is that it's the same way. There are things that we are going to have to do that if we want to get spiritually stronger, we're not going to get spiritually stronger if we are not doing those things. And so one of the things that you do to get spiritually stronger is you go to church. Hey, you right now are getting stronger. You are lifting spiritual weight right now by coming to church. If you want to get stronger spiritually, if you want to get stronger in faith, you got to be a person who prays. A couple weeks ago, months ago, weeks or months ago, I can't remember, it all runs together now, I brought a message that was knowing the will of God and it said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And so we are responsible for praying, and when we pray, we are strengthening our, our spiritual, our, our, our faith muscle. And finally, we have to read God's word if we want to get stronger in faith. Stronger in faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, many of us, we want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger when it comes to our spiritual life. Like, if we were to look at ourselves spiritually, we want to be, we want to be the strong man. We want to be buff. We want to be the guy who can go in and bench 225 20 times. That's, that's kind of what we want to look like spiritually. But many of us aren't willing to get to that point by reading God's word. A lot of us, the idea that we get is that I'll come to church and I will, I will do the, the two times a week, maybe one time a week type thing, and I'm just, I'm going to get spiritually strong that way. I'm going to get strong in the faith that way. But here's the truth. We will never become stronger in the faith if we're not consistently reading God's word. If we're not taking time to, to meditate on God's word that he wrote to us, guess what? You are never going to get spiritually stronger. And then here's the problem. Many of us as Christians, we, we don't read God's word, and then we sit there and we wonder, why is this temptation keep overtaking me? And it's because we're not reading God's word. Or we sit there and we're like, why, why is this storm? Why is this storm? Why won't this storm end? What, what is going on? Why can't I overcome this? And the reason why is because we are not consuming God's word enough. Because if we were consuming God's word, you would have received the faith that it took in order to overcome the situation that you're facing. And so it is by faith through reading the word of God that we are equipped with the spiritual strength that we need to overcome the things that we face in our lives. But so many of us, we're weak spiritually because we don't read the word of God. And this is true about me as well. I go through phases where it's like, some of you guys look at cardio when it comes to physically working out, and you're like, that is disgusting. I will skip all the cardio. Like, I don't want to do any cardio, okay? I'll lift weights, that's it. And for me, it's like, if there were something that I... Like, I love worship, I love praying, and then some days I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to read Leviticus. And it's like, it's like, it's a mess to me, and I, I just don't want to do it. But the truth is, is that doing the things that you don't want to do is going to cause you to be strengthened. That's true for a lot of things in life, not just reading God's Word. But we read God's Word because it strengthens us. It strengthens us in the faith. Another reason that reading God's Word builds our faith is because of what Paul says in Romans 15.4. He says this, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. So what's Paul saying here? Paul is simply saying this. He's saying that these Scriptures were written down to give you a hope to give you a hope that the current situation that you're facing, you're going to be able to overcome. And here, here's the reason why, why we can have that hope. The reason why is because this book, the Bible, is filled with people just like you and me. Just like you and me. 
And we kind of get this superhero mentality about people like David and like Moses. But here's the truth. They were just like us. They were sinners. They were imperfect. They were weak without God's power, enabling them to do the things that they did. And what I see in many of these stories when I read the Bible is I see the faithfulness of God over and over and over again. And so when, I, when we read this, what it's doing is it's reminding us of all the great works that God has done in the past. And it gives us faith to know, okay, well, this is going to propel us and give us the faith and the hope to know that we can have endurance and overcome what we're facing because God is faithful. Because if God did it for Moses, if God did it for David, if God did it for, for, for Paul and for Peter, then he can do it for us as well. And, and so what I see is a God who took absolutely broken, absolutely broken situations and absolutely broken people, and he worked it out for them over and over and over. And his word is filled with testimonies of his goodness. And when we read those testimonies, it builds our faith. So when we read the Word of God, it strengthens us because we, we are consuming it and we're, we're believing it, and, and secondarily because it testifies about God's goodness from generation to generation. Number two is this. We can't just read God's Word. We have to believe God's Word as well. Like Reading does good, but believing it is the taking the next step when it comes to faith. So the crazy thing to me is that there are people who will read the Bible and they won't believe it. And some of the most staunch atheists have read this book front to back. And at the end of reading it, all they want to do is, is they come against every single word that is in this book. And so it's crazy to me that somebody can read it and not believe it. And the reason why I say that is because there are things in this Bible where the enemy is going to come and he's going to try to snatch up the seed of the word of God in your life and say, okay, that's, that's not for you. You don't have to believe that. And we're Christian, and, and we believe in the Bible, but we have to believe every single word that is written in here is for us. Every single word. Every single word. There is not a word in this Bible that is void. Every word is meant for us. Now, why should you believe every word written in the, in the Bible? The reason why is this. In 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, Paul writes this to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I want us to go back to verse 16 really quick. The reason why you should believe every word is because it says that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. It didn't say just the New Testament is God-breathed. You don't have to worry about the Old Testament. That's, that, was, you know, that was for the prophets and all of them. No, it says that all Scripture is God-breathed. So from Genesis to Revelation, everything in this book is for us today. And this is what he goes on to say. He says, it's useful. It's useful. It's not just some book that doesn't hold power. It's useful for, for what does it say? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what he says. Because the word of God is God-breathed, we have the ability to say, you know what? I trust that book with every bit of my life. With every decision I make, I can trust that book when I, when I base it on the word of God. Now, it says that God breathed the word out, so he, he breathed it out through generations of authors where the Holy Spirit inspired, inspired them to, to write things that were going to pertain to us, not just back then, but today as well. And so because God breathed it out, we can then breathe in the word of God. We can then consume the word of God. And when we do that, we meditate on it and we let it sink into our heart and, and create in us uh, 
uh, the way, creating us the person that God wants us to become. Now, this means that you can believe the Bible when it says that you are God's workmanship. So if you're in here and you're struggling with self-image, you can know and trust that when it says that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that verse is for you. That verse is for all of us in this room. That means when the Bible says that God will never tempt you beyond what you can bear, you can trust it. You can trust in the fact that, um, that when God is, is, when there's a temptation in your life, God is with you and he's for you and he's filled you with your Holy Spirit and with his power, you can overcome. Apart from the Holy Spirit, it's going to be hard to overcome temptation, but with his power, you can. And this means that you can believe that when it says that God is faithful, when he's when it says that he's merciful, kind, gracious, patient, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and madly in love with you, you can believe that all those things that it says about God are true. In fact, he's so in love with you that he sent his only son to die on the cross for you. That should show and, and prove the love of God, and that's all recorded in this book right here. My friend Stephen, he's got this tattoo on his arm, uh, and what it simply says is, it says, all the stories are true. And that is just his way of reminding himself that every single story in this book is a true story. It's a true story. The stuff you read about Moses splitting the Red Sea, true story. What you see about David slaying Goliath, that's a true story. And what he, the reason why he got that tattoo is because he wanted to remind himself in, in times of life when it's tough and when it's hard that every story in this book is worth believing and that we can use that to propel ourselves forward in faith and by faith, please the Lord. It's true. All the stories, all the stories are true. All the testimonies in this book, they're true. All the victories in the book, they're true. And they speak to the amazing God that we serve and that we trust. And when we believe God's word is true, God is pleased. Because when we believe it, it increases our faith. It increases our trust in him. Now, here is the third and final point. And I feel like this is the stumbling block for, for most Christians in this room. And uh, so we can read the Word of God, we can believe the Word of God, but then we have to do the Word of God. And this is kind of where I have stumbled in my life the most because I have been somebody for a long time, since 2013, who has said, I believe in, in, in the good book. I believe in everything that it says, but then there is a gap between me believing and, and what I'm doing, and there's a, there's, there's a problem with that. That shouldn't be the way that it is. Now, if you have ever had uh, kids in this room, I'm sure that you have told them to do something at some point in their life, like go empty the dishwasher or take the trash out, do your homework, clean your room, something like that. And what happens is they say, okay, I'll go do that. And then you go to find that thing not done an hour later or so. And that's gotta be really frustrating for you as a parent. And I was my parents' worst nightmare because they would come and say, one of my, one of my, uh, chores was to go do the dishwasher, to empty the dishwasher, and then reload the dishwasher. And so they would say, you know, AJ, you know, go, it's time to go and empty the dishwasher before you play any more games. And I'd be with, their, uh, with my headset on, playing my video games. I'd be like, okay, mom, we'll do it in a minute after this match is over. And how many of y'all know, I didn't go unload that dishwasher until they came back a second time and said, AJ, it's time to go unload this dishwasher. Like, it's waiting for you to do it. We've got dishes piling up in the sink. You got to go do it. So with my headset on, with my game plan, to be playing my game, I say, all right, I'll get in a second, mom or dad. I'll get in a second. And then finally, the third time, this is how I knew I was in trouble. I didn't just hear AJ come on the dishwasher. I heard the middle name in there as well. I heard Anthony Joseph Gersh, get your butt down here. And I knew, I knew I was in for it in that moment. Now, 
we all have the propensity to hear something, to, to hear us and to hear something and believe it and be like, okay, I should go do that, but then not do it. And if we see it in our kids, and the truth is, is we're all God's kids and we can hear it, believe it, and then we cannot do something. And so I want to discuss how we can start doing God's word to, to just kind of close this message tonight. James 1, 22 through 25 says this. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. She says, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, in the same way that we can go into a mirror and we can see what our true self looks like. When I go to the mirror, I, I, I see that one eye is smaller than the other, and that's a defect. And then I also see that, oh, I missed a spot shaving, and I've got this hair down here because hair just grows wildly on my neck for whatever reason, and i got to go get that again. And I, and I see all, all the, the defects. I see what my true self looks like in a mirror, and then I, I go away from the mirror, and all of a sudden I, I forget all those Affections. I forget what that looks like. In the same way that we can do that with a mirror, with our physical face, with our, our physical lives, the Bible serves as a mirror. And when we read it, what it's going to do is it's going to reflect back onto us the deficiencies, the weaknesses, the things that we may not necessarily be doing correctly. And what the Word of God does is it doesn't just say, hey, you're doing this wrong, but it gives us a solution to know how to fix it. And many of us, what we do is, is we'll read it, and we'll be like, okay, I need to fix this, and then we don't fix it. <laughs> I've experienced this so many times in my life, and God, I pray that he forgives me for the amount of times that I, I, have, I have been convicted by God, and I've been like, I need to change this, but I, I, I just didn't. An example of this is, you know, we're doing a message on reading God's word to build and strengthen our faith so we can please him tonight. And many of you, hopefully, are thinking in this moment, man, I need to start reading my, my Bible no more because I need to build my faith. And many of you guys may be experiencing that, that kind of tug on your heart in this moment. Like, like I, I'm going to start doing that. When I, when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to read God's Word because I want to strengthen my faith and, and please God. And here's the deal. By the time many of us get home from a service, I'm guilty of this too, we have forgotten that we were ever going to make that change. We've let the enemy snatch away what God was trying to do in us, the new discipline that God was trying to work in us. And so we need to not just be merely hearers of the word of God, but we need to be doers as well. We need to be people who do the word of God. And so tonight, the way I want to close this is I want to talk about a time in my life where I just, I experienced the God's word increasing my faith. And through that increase in faith, I believe that it, it, it pleased God. And so uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I've told this story, I think, once or twice in this. And so I'm going to keep it brief. A couple of years ago, I was praying to God in a, in a great time of crisis in my life. And in that time, God didn't necessarily give me an answer to that crisis. But what he did reveal in me was my calling and the purpose that he had placed on my life, which was to preach the word of God and to be a minister of the gospel and to, to be a shepherd to teenagers and to eventually, you know, in the far future, adults. And in that moment, what I was faced with was all this doubt. I was faced with just this overwhelming uh, I kind of looked at myself and was like, there is no way in the world that I can do that. Because I saw all my weakness, I saw all my deficiencies, and I, I went to God and I was like, hey, you got the wrong guy, buddy. Like, you're gonna have to, like, you, you, 
you sent the mail to the wrong address is pretty much what I was telling the Lord in that moment. And so I was like, return to sender, uh, essentially is what I was telling God because I just didn't feel like I was equipped. And so I, I wrestled with this for months because I, I just felt like I heard the Lord and I was like, well, it doesn't seem right because I just, I feel so ill-equipped to do this. And one day I was reading in my Bible and this is not going to be up on the screens, but I was reading in Exodus and I was reading in Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4, and in, this passage, in these passages, Moses has gone out into the wilderness. He's murdered the man in Egypt, and he's ran away. He's gone into the wilderness. And Moses then encounters the burning bush, and in this time, God is like, hey, you are going to go do this thing. This is your purpose. This is what you're meant to do. And what does Moses do? He did exactly what I did. He did exactly what I did. In, in verse 10 of chapter 4, this is what Moses said to the Lord after he says he's supposed to go and bring the people out of Egypt. He says this, Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who has made him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? I love it when God gets sassy with his people. I, I just think it's, I think it's awesome. He goes on to say, the Lord goes on to say this, Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach what you shall speak. And so you think Moses got the point here, but he didn't. And so Moses goes on and he says this, but he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. That is me. I was like, God, you got the wrong person. Send someone else. And then it says this, Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak. I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him, and, put, and I will put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth, and with his mouth I will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff, which you shall do the signs." And in that moment, all the weight was lifted off me when I read that. Because here's the deal, it was never about my ability. It was never about the power that I had because I have no power without God. I have no, uh, nothing that qualifies me to do the work that God has called me to other than me serving Christ. And so in that moment, what I remember, or not what, not what I remembered, of, but what I was spoken to by the Lord in that moment was, if I can do it for Moses, I can do it for you as well. And here's the deal. I would not have gotten to the place of where I'm at had I not read that passage. Had I not simply had the, had the, um, just had, not had the, but instead, had I not been reading God's word, I would have never gotten to this place to know that it's not by my ability, it's not by my power, it's not by the, the, the strengths that I have that I'm going to be able to do what God has called me to do. No, instead it's all by his power and by his grace that he has given to us that we're going to be equipped for every good work that he has for us. That's why in, in Exodus chapter 3 he says, who, Moses says to God, who, who do I say has sent me? And, and God says, say I am who I am has sent you. Because God is everything we need. He is who he is. He is everything that we need in every moment of our lifetime. And so, my faith was built up by this passage. 
My faith was built up, and because it was built up, I was then able to step into the calling that God had for me, and because I was able to step into the calling that God had for me, I believe that God was pleased. And here's the deal. There are things in your life that you are facing that if you read God's word, this word will minister to you. This word will give you a, a, a belief about your situation that you have everything that you need based upon this word and the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome and to do every good work that God has called you to. And because you read this word, you're going to experience your faith increase. And through that increase of faith, you're going to be able to please the Lord. Amen. So what do we do? We read God's word, we believe it, and we live it out. We live it out. Because when we do that, what we're going to experience is an increase of faith. And an increase of faith means that we're going to be given more opportunity to do what God has called us to do in our lives as we strengthen that muscle of faith. And so what I want us to do is be a people of the word, because when we're a people of the word, we're a people of faith. And faith pleases the Lord.